But let me say this just before we get into the message today. I've got two things I want to share with you. Number one, what time is church next Sunday? 10 a.m. And so we are coming together. We're calling it coming together, growing stronger. I just feel like it's time for us to pull all of our resources back into one service for a while. And we're going to be that way until, and we, here's what we're believing, that we will absolutely have to go back to two services because it, we'll have so many people. But we want to gather so we can be more effective in ministry, do it better, and then reach more people. Also, I want to make you aware, now I hope they have it. Do you have that slide of uh, John Collier back there? You don't. We need to make sure we have that slide before this service is over, or maybe we do. Um, before this service is over, I want to be able to put that up. But we are tonight, we're doing something special. We don't normally do this, but I have added, or we added, there it is. Thank you so much. We are having Pastor John Collier tonight at 6 p.m. Now, this is an added service. We usually don't do, we just usually do our praise and prayer on the first Sunday of the month. But Pastor John is here. He was here for the AFCM meetings. He is from the United Kingdom. He pastors Gateway Church in the UK, and Pastor John has a gift through worship when he sits, I'll just put it this way, when he sits at the keys, the moment he starts playing, Jesus comes in the room. I'm telling you, the presence of God, the power of God shows up. He said, it's just what I do, Pastor Jane. But he said, don't ask me to teach like you do. I, I don't even know if I have three points, and then I can't find that point. But listen, I'm the gift to this church, and I'm here to stay. But we need gifts like him to come in to add to my gift. Because I, I can't play. I can't sing. And I'm not a good exhorter. I'm going to go back to my three points. And so we are calling this evening tonight a night of worship and exhortation. He is going, our team's actually going to start off the worship. He asked if they would. And then he's going to come up. He's going to worship with us. And then he's going to exhort in the word. And we're just going to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our midst. God gave me this scripture for our church. And I know I'm taking a little bit of time here. But I, I want to take this time. Um, God gave me this scripture concerning what he wants to do in our church tonight. And so I want to read it here real quick. It's found in the book of Hosea. And here's what it says. All that we might know the Lord, let us press on to know him. He will respond to us surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in early spring. And so I'm believing tonight that our church will be refreshed and empowered in God's presence. It will not be online. We're not putting this online purposely just because we just don't think it would do justice online. We invite you to bring your families. We're going to run it more like a casual service, like we do our praise and prayer. So bring your kids to bring them into the service. Young people, if you have a young person, if you are related to a young person, call them and get them here tonight. And so we want to see our church, again, refreshed and empowered. So I just invite you to come out. We will go from 6 to 7, 15 p.m., have a dismissal then. And then as the Lord leads, if somebody wants, some people want to hang around and Pastor John's going to hang around, we'll hang around a little longer. But we will have a dismissal at 7, 15 p.m. Now, let's pray and let's get into the message today because I got three points. 
Okay, ready? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have as a church to gather in your name. And Jesus, I know that you have a message that you want to get to our church today. Jesus, you are building our church. Lord, I thank you that this message will empower us, will help us. And Lord, every believer that's here, Lord, it will speak to them where they are in their journey of faith. And Lord, I thank you that we will walk out of here with more knowledge. We'll walk out of here strengthened and empowered through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to be wrapping up our series today that we've been in, and we've called this series Devoted, Living, Immersed, and Empowered. And we've been looking at the things that you and I must devote ourselves to if we are going to be immersed in God's goodness, experience His presence, and empowered by His Spirit. And so let me take you to Acts chapter 2. And verse 42, and today we're going to get to the last of these four practices of the early church, and we're going to talk about devoted to communion. Acts 2, 42. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Now, in this passage, we learned the four things, or we could say four practices, four things they were devoted to, but we learned what those four things were for the early church. And here are the four things that the early church was devoted to. If you put up my slide, teaching, fellowship, communion, we'll deal with that one today, and prayer. Now, I want to go back to prayer if I can for just a moment. Because this is something I believe that God wants us at Faith Life Church praying for this season. And it's the same prayer that the apostles prayed so that they could reach their generation. It was a bold prayer, and it was a prayer for boldness. I want us to pray it. I want us to say it again. As a church, can you put that slide up? Can we pray this again as a church? And I'm sharing this with you because I want you to begin to pray this in your own prayer time. But let's pray it. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your son, Jesus. Now, next week, I'm going to start just a short series before we get into Easter called Let's Talk Revival. And we're going to break that passage down. We're going to talk about all the things that are supposed to be happening when there's a revival, when there's an awakening. And what about this church? What are we believing for? And how do we properly respond? And so I'm looking forward to that next week. But let's get into this message today, Devoted to communion. And I want to start by just making this comment. Remember the sacrifice. Really, really that's what communion is all about. Remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Let me take you to the passage in 1 Corinthians. Paul wrote this passage. He wrote it to the early church, and I'll get into that in just a moment. But here's the most probably the most used passage uh, when it comes to communion in the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting with verse 23. 
For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. Wow. Let me just say this. We have to be reminded of the power of the sacrifice and the love that motivated it. Mm, That's what communion does. It's reminding us of the power of the sacrifice of Jesus and reminding us of the love that motivated that sacrifice. You might say, how could we ever forget? But we do. And we don't always receive all that Jesus has promised. Let me just say this. Communion is to remind us of all that the sacrifice of Jesus provides. Can you hand me that? I brought a little loaf and a little cup here. This is my cup that someone brought me back from Israel. So I figured I'd use that. Now, the only thing... I put the bread here just so I don't get my hands all over it. I left the plastic wrap. I'm sure Jesus didn't have the good plastic wrap like we did today. But we know that the cup or the wine that they poured in, the juice, the fresh juice of the grapes here, here's the cup that represents the blood that Jesus shed. And and here was the bread that represents his body. And really what Paul is doing in this passage is he is establishing communion as an ongoing ordinance of the church. Wow. When we think about sharing in this bread and sharing in this cup, and, it, and it's to be done together. We can certainly, and I encourage you to do it on your own individually in your life, but also there's something powerful. The church is also supposed to come together and together remember. Why? Because it is powerful when we take the time to celebrate and remember all that Jesus has done for us through the sacrifice of his life. Come on, it is powerful to do that as a church. But can I just say this? Sometimes we have the same issue they had, and that is they weren't treating it as holy as it should have been treated Let's talk for a little bit about some historical context. Because Paul is writing to the early church. I mean, Jesus, it's not that long. Jesus has just been resurrected. They were used to, these believers were used to gathering around meals and celebrating and worshiping. Think about the Old Testament and all the different meals that God commanded for them to come together. Of course, the Passover being the amazing meal that led them out of Egypt. And of course, that Passover then became our communion. And so this young church is in transition. Now they're no longer 
celebrating these meals looking forward to Messiah. They are now celebrating them because the Messiah has come. So it's like, okay, give them a little break. They're in transition. Now, how do we celebrate these meals? And they know that they were to celebrate this meal because Paul's not the one who started it. Jesus did. At the Last Supper, Jesus said, this is my body. This is my life. This is my blood. And so he said, hey, I'm the one and you need to celebrate me. And so the new believers were continuing with this celebration of breaking bread and receiving communion. But they were also having other meals and and they were treating it lightly. And so in this passage in Corinthians, not only is Paul giving some instructions, setting it as an ordinance in the church, he's doing a bit of correction here. And we need to make sure that we treat this meal as holy. Now, churches do it in different ways, and and there's no necessarily right way to do it. I mean, some churches at every service, they give communion doesn't matter how many times you do it. What's important is that you do it. You do it on a regular basis. And when you do it, you treat it as something holy. Mm. Wow. The church is to practice communion. It is an ordinance of the church whereby we remember the sacrifice of Jesus. It's not just, oh, let's get this over with and get on to the next part of the service. Now, when we talk about being devoted to communion, there's something powerful about that. I want to go back to 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, and I want to read them again. And then I want to talk about the elements of the communion. And let's talk about what they mean because that helps us when we know what they mean. And really, I I realize that this is a reminder for most of us, but we need a good reminder. Come on, if we're going to live immersed and empowered, then communion is a part of it. It's the way we treat communion. It's our attitude toward it. It's how we receive it. It's how we reverence it as a church that allows God to really work the sacrifice of Christ in us and that we live it. I say this sometimes and I'll say it again. I don't like to window shop. I like to go in, buy And take it with me. Come on. I don't want our church to be a place where you just come and window shop. I want it to be a place where when you come to church, you receive something is different and you get to take it home with you. You can use it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Well, this is what we're doing this morning. We're helping you see the power of communion. So let's read it. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 25, and let's get into these elements. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine 
after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and the people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Now, I want to give you a quote from N.T. Wright, and I think this is a beautiful quote when you think about communion. And I love how he put it. He said, when Jesus wanted to explain to his disciples what his death was all about, he didn't give them a theory. He gave them a meal. Hmm. So there's something to this, folks. We will never fully understand or maybe let me phrase it in a more of a positive way. We will come to understand and know the power of his sacrifice as we examine this meal. As we examine what the bread means, the breaking of this bread, which represented the giving of his body and the breaking of that body for us, that he's the bread of life. There's so much truth in communion. When we take this cup and we realize that it literally represents his blood that was shed for us. Come on, when somebody gives their blood for something, or could we change it and say it accurately? When someone gives their blood for someone, and that someone is you and me, what do they say about the chicken and the pig? When it comes to breakfast, the chicken is okay with it. The pig not so happy because he's committed fully. Come on. The chicken just lays an egg and walks away. But the pig, come on. You know bacon. The men love that at their breakfast. Come on. Now, Jesus gave us this as an example. And here's what we, I, I want to talk about three things when it comes to these elements of communion. The elements of communion are symbols that represent three things. Now, not just these three things, but I want to deal with these three things today. They represent, one, his death. When we take communion, we're, re, we're remembering that Jesus, our Savior, died for us. He had to die for us to have the life we have. Number two, it represents how he died. On a cross, crucified for our sins. And then number three, why he died. To redeem us, giving us new life. I'm going to talk about the first one for just a moment. I'm going to talk about the fact that communion represents his death. That Jesus, our Savior, died for us. I'll put it this way. Communion reminds us that God took on flesh and came to give his life for us. Can we just stop and say, who else would do that? As we look at all the religions in the world, there is not another religion where the so-called God of that religion gave his life for those that are following him. Nope, it is the opposite. They give their life to serve the God. But our God 
came in the flesh and gave his life for us. Wow. That's what it took. And he was willing to do it. So when we think about his body that was broken for us, his life that was given for us, really what we ought to realize is how much he loved us. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8. It says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Anybody say amen to that? Come on. How many people are going to find, hey, that's a good, they're not willing to die for them. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God. Come on, this is the God we serve. You got to know the character of God. He is not, you know, uh, far away. He's not hard to get to know. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Just think about that old hymn, Oh, What a Savior. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. Oh, what a Savior. Communion represents God's great love. Never forget the Savior's love. I know in life, I know out in this world, sometimes we don't feel loved, accepted, wanted, valued. Isn't that really what it means to be loved? Is somebody accepts you, loves you, understands you? Well, God loved you enough to do something. Love is action, and he acted on his love. It's not just for God so loved the world, and he wants you to know. No, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for you, that you, it's all about you. God cares for you. God loves you, and he expressed that love in the sacrifice of Christ. When we take communion, never forget that you are loved. Wow. It's powerful. His body was broken so that we could have life. Number two, how he died. Communion speaks to how he died. He died on a cross. This was the death, crucifixion. It was the death that was given to those who had done wrong, who had committed some kind of crime, and they were being punished. Hmm. Why is it important to know how he died? Because he died that way because he was paying for your sin and my sin. Hmm. He was wounded for our transgressions. That's why he died on the cross among criminals because we were the criminal and he took our place Colossians 2.14 it says he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross canceled 
He canceled out our debt of sin. Look at Ephesians 1, 7. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Again, I think about a song that's been around for a while. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. But Christ Jesus paid the debt I could never pay. You see, when I take of this bread and I drink of this cup, when I hold those elements in my hands, I remember that I am free from the debt of the sin. I do not have to pay sin's debt any longer. Can can I tell you a couple of the things that sin holds over us, how you know that you're in debt to sin and we should be free from that? Guilt. Condemnation. Unworthiness. Trapped. Well, I just can't get over this. Sin will tell you that there's no hope. That's the debt of sin. When you've sinned, oh, you'll never get out of this. It's like, again, I'm reminiscing this morning, going, reaching back from the past. But, uh, you know, years ago, I don't know, they'd somehow have these movies. I don't see them anymore. But jungle movies, and there'd be quicksand. That's kind of like what it's, when, when you sin, it tells you that you're in the quicksand and you can never get out. But here's what happened. Jesus came and literally says, he brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. Woohoo! Come on, free. We got to treat communion as holy. And as a church, we got to devote ourselves to communion because we want to be empowered by his spirit. We want to experience his presence to be immersed in us. Just put it this way. Through the sacrifice of his life, Jesus paid our debt of sin. We're forgiven and free. Wow. That's what it means. His blood was shed to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It worked. It worked on you. It worked on me. Now, just because it has the power, and in God's eyes it's done that, you've got to live in that by faith. That's why we take communion. Let's talk about number three, why he died. He died to redeem us giving us new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17, I love this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone. A new life has begun. Let's all be a little transparent here. We're all the same when it comes to this. It's hard to let go of the old. And it's not even hard to let go of the old, sometimes maybe in behavior. Sometimes it's hard to let go of the old in our mind. We think of ourselves as that old person, unworthy. Listen, God has made you new in Christ. Through these elements, these represent the bread, representing his body that was given for you, his life sacrificed for you, his body broken for you, the cup representing his blood that was shed for you. Through these things, you have a brand new life. 
old things are passed away. Come on, some of you just need to wave. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. When the enemy tries to tell you you're still the same old person you were. Goodbye. I'm not going to live that way anymore. Jesus, thank you for the power of your sacrifice. Listen, it's not about your great discipline. And I'm not saying that discipline doesn't have its place. But you need to be disciplined in your thought life to think about the power of his sacrifice. Not just disciplined to try to do good. No, you need to be disciplined in believing that God was so good that through Christ he has provided you with the power you need to overcome sin in your life and to live like the new person that Jesus has made you to be. I want you to say this with me. Say, I am a brand new person in Christ. Bye-bye to the old. Come on. Don't put up with the old anymore. I like new. I like new clothes. And it's Jeff's fault. I'm going to tell you, this past Monday, it's my day off. And he said, you know, I think you need to go to Nordstrom's Rack. I said, I agree. (laughs) No, we had had some kind of rough days or whatever. And and so thank you. Thank you, hon. I bought something new. Um, So I'll I'll wear it in the coming weeks, you know. Come on, new life. Come on, we're not just talking about something you put on new. We are talking about a brand new life. Can I put it this way? A life that is only possible because of the sacrifice of Christ. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Wow. Let me say this. Through the sacrifice of Christ, we're given a brand new life in him. And communion represents that new life. In the old covenant, the sacrifices were a symbol of the sins of the people. Hmm. The sacrifice was there, so they remembered their sins, and then they had to sacrifice for their sins. In the new covenant, Christ's sacrifice reminds us that our sins have been remitted. Wow. God doesn't remind us of our sins with Christ. He reminds us that he's washed them away as far as the east is from the west. Mm. Now, let me wrap this up this morning with something Paul goes on to say in this passage because we've talked about what they mean, but Paul also dealt with the Corinthian church about some things they needed to do to fully receive what Jesus wanted them to receive from communion. And he says to receive what you need to receive from this communion. You need to judge you need to examine, judge yourself, examine yourself, and you need to rightly discern this communion. Let's read it. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven, Same chapter. Paul goes on and continues to teach about communion. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. 
pride. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in the same way. Now, let me just break this down for you. God judges sin because he's a just God. And then let me just tell you how God judges sin. Or or may I put it this way? God has already judged sin. He's already judged it. And then he gave us the scriptures so that we would know the difference between sin and righteousness. But what happens is when we don't rest in the power of Christ, we'll get judged with sin because we can't overcome sin without the power of Christ. So you get the judgment of sin. Sin has been judged. Listen, you don't have to tell anyone that adultery is wrong. I I never met somebody, I I mean, just crazy, unless they're crazy. Come on. That would say, oh, no, adultery is okay, and it really blesses any relationship or marriage. No, come on, we all know. God judged. I don't have to judge adultery. I don't have to go around telling people that adultery is wrong. I don't have to go around telling them that lying is wrong. It's amazing. People think, oh, it's okay. Sometimes you can tell a white lie, but then you ask them if they want the white lie told to them. No, not even the white one. Come on. God has judged sin already. But he's made an escape for us from the judgment. And that's what Paul's trying to tell you. You are getting the judgment of sin because you aren't rightly discerning what Jesus did for you. You don't live under the judgment. You live under the freedom that you have in Christ. Come on, receive communion. Now, I had a good point here. Can I go to my point? I made this slide. I just put it this way. God has already judged sin. He gave us a way to escape. It is through the sacrifice of Christ. See, it's like you don't have to be afraid. Like, you know, some are weakly and sick and die. Like God's pointing people out and killing them because, no, no, no. Let, Let me get to that part. What he's saying is there are two things, two major things you receive from communion. You receive the forgiveness of your sin which is the escape of the judgment of sin. And you can also receive healing for your body. Let me give you two quick scriptures to back this up. Look at the healing. 1 Peter 2.24 He personally carried our sins in his body on the tree, on the cross, so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. We believe here at Faith Life Church, that healing, physical healing, is available to us all. That's why we have Faith Healing Center on Thursdays. That's why we have our healing school. So many do not receive physical healing because they don't rightly discern the healing provided for them in his atonement. That's why I said some are weak, sickly, because you're not receiving what belongs to you. And how about forgiveness? I'm closing. First John twelve twelve. I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. When we receive communion, we can receive forgiveness and healing. Let me wrap it up with this. Verse 25 and 26, the last part of 25. I'm going to wrap it up, end it this way. Do this, verse 
Corinthians 11.25a. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Wow. Now listen. If he is the Christ who sacrificed his life for us, we must believe then that he's coming back for us. That's one of the things. Every time we take communion, he's coming back for me. I'm going to close with this statement. Communion is to be a perpetual ordinance in the church until Jesus comes. Amen. Did you get something out of that today? I pray that you did.